You've hit play on the screen, companion. An eclectic mix of film and TV recommendations. Here we are for another God Van Dam great episode where we spotlight the one, the only Jean-Claude Van Damme. We're going to be doing Double Impact from 1991, Hard Target from 93, and Sudden Death from 95. A year or two for most of these movies of his peak with Time Cop in 95. That was his highest grosser. So I think we have a really good cross-section to delve into the man. He got started in the 80s. First big role, 1988, Bloodsport. And then a couple years later, bam, it was already the 90s. I wonder, did he learn anything? Did he transition from the 80s to the 90s well? We'll find out. Starting with Double Impact, a tale as old as time itself. 25 years later, twin brothers get revenge on a businessman and his gang lord partner for killing the twins' parents in a Hong Kong construction deal. Van Damme plays identical twin brothers Alex and Chad. Rob, do you think he pulls it off? I actually think he does. The way he acts, Alex has the suave, slick back hair. He's got the street attitude going on. And then Chad is the preppy, raised with money, tries to flaunt off. He's got the silk underwear. He's got the nicer clothes. I think Van Damme actually pulled it off in this movie. The acting, not the underwear, right? Yeah, right. (laughs) John, were you having flashbacks to Bloodsport? He really likes his undies. The undies and uh, Bolo Young. (laughs) Well, I'm kind of surprised to hear you say that, Rob, that you felt like he was able to embody two different characters. Pat, what do you think about that? (laughs) Um, I thought he did fine, yeah, thinking about it. Definitely, they are two different completely different characters. One's kind of more like a gangster type, and one's just kind of like a pretty boy. So I thought he did a good job of playing both roles. John, save me here. Did you like his <laughs> twins acting? <laughs> For me, it boiled down to slick back hair. One had a scowl constantly, and the other one was just smiling all the time. <laughs> and that was enough for me. But I guess if you need help in this fight, he's not that great an actor. <laughs> I never said he was. <laughs> he looks exactly like you. Look like me? You of all people should know I would never in my life wear black silk underwear. Wait, wait, wait. Look at it, faggot. Frankie, what's going on here? Chad, he's your brother. Look at him. For Christ's sake, look at him. Just take a look at him. He's your twin brother. Coming into this, I figured he's doing twins. It's a rare opportunity for him to show some range, and I think he wasted it, because when you look at those characters, they both have French accents, which is weird because they spent decades apart and lived in different parts of the world. They have the same martial arts moves. So little went into distinguishing the brothers from each other. A cynic could argue Van Damme just wanted more screen time for himself, maybe collect two paychecks. And in an interview with Yahoo that he did a few years ago, Van Damme said that the movie was meant to highlight his acting, and I don't think he really achieved that goal. 
I feel like if they even went as far as to have Chad, the one brother that grew up in France and then ended up moving to Los Angeles, maybe if they did ADR and had somebody speak American English over him, what do you think? Do you think that could have worked? I'm going to say no, just because ADR in those days was awful. I think they did it to Arnie in a couple movies before they let him be him. Do you feel like there's anything they could have tried to help distinguish them more? Something other than the French accent, yeah. Especially the one raised in Hong Kong. Why does he have a French accent? Because he was raised at a French orphanage with the nuns. Every Jean-Claude action movie or every Arnold Schwarzenegger action movie, they have to have some throwaway line to explain the accent. I always hated that. Pat, what do you think is the worst JCVD moment in Double Impact? Mm. Oh, gosh. Um, That's a tough one. There's so many bad moments. <laughs> it's hard to pick one where I'm like, that was the one that was the worst. It's a buffet. Where do you start? Yeah. When Chad shows up and he's automatically hitting on Alex's girlfriend, like in the first two minutes, I thought that was pretty weird. And it's also such a really simple two dimensional way of portraying Chad. All we know of him is that he likes to get tail. <laughs> yeah. Some of the different sequences of the action, his signature moves and stuff with these back springs. There's a scene, they go to this like little factory and they blow up this canister or something. They take this truck and they drive it out. And in that scene, Chad can't shoot the gun. He can't shoot it right. And then Alex has got like the dual Berettas and he's like shooting guys in the feet and flipping up. Just goofy. It's like, okay, is this wasted movement type of martial art stuff that... You look back at it now, it's like, it's so dumb. Like, why would you even do something like that? But it just goes to show the martial arts theater that has to go into some of these movies. The groan-worthy moments you might have encountered while watching this, how much of it do you think is attributable to Van Damme versus it just being 1991? I'm going to blame Van Damme for his getting drunk acting scene and being angry at a scenario <laughs> that didn't happen. He just kept punching walls, right? But he didn't really punch walls because he didn't want to hurt his hand in real life. <laughs> right? He just had that random bottle of Johnny Walker and he was just, and he'd kind of like fist bump a wall, imagining a scenario. He's his twin brother, so still see himself having sex with this girl. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like... In some ways, this is Van Damme's Rocky because he helped write the script. So he's like, I want to show my range. I must show my acting to the world. What can I do to let people know? Oh, how about having sex with a naked lady? Oh, that'll be great. <laughs> and all the angles should be of my butt. <laughs> hey, man, some people would say that's his best asset. Every time he does the split, it's on his ass. Camera angle's always on his ass. Well, where do you expect the camera to be? I expect it to be right up in there. I want proof it's not a stuntman. I know it's not, but still. <laughs> Pat, what was the best Van Damme moment that had you say, this is why you hire him instead of another action star? I love it when he does the splits. That part's pretty awesome, but I know. I should... Damn it, I told you not to do the splits. <laughs> I know, I know. The splits is, it's so easy, though, when he's just showing off for no reason. But let's see. How dare you reduce the man to splits? <laughs> Which he himself writes into the movie in literally like the first 10 minutes. <laughs> 
Does he do that? I don't know it was him specifically, but again, he did have a hand in the script. I think when he's killing guys on the beach, for sure. But what about when the woman wraps her legs around his neck? And then (laughs) he, like, turns around for no reason so he can face her. (laughs) I got a bit of a Xenia on a top vibe. What do you think, John? Oh, my God, yes, that's exactly what I got. I knew you would. We're simpatico. (laughs) How about you, Rob? What do you think was the best Van Damme moment? There was a scene where... I think it's Alex. It was in a dark, it was a dark kind of fight scene with the lighting bluish or whatever. And I go back and think about Stallone and Schwarzenegger's films and could they have pulled something like that off? I don't think they could. They were never really the, you know, they were just like the gun toting, destroy everything, rocket launchers. The martial arts aspect of that and that fight scene, I don't think they could have done that the way that Van Damme did it. Maybe a vulnerability to Van Damme that lets that scene stretch out a bit more, whereas maybe Stallone and Schwarzenegger wouldn't allow themselves to have this dude come in and out of the darkness kicking at him. Right, yeah, for sure. Besides the twins angle, John, what else do you think this offers that most of Van Damme's other martial arts movies don't? I think there's more... Well, I don't want to get ahead of myself. I was going to say the gunplay was a little better than his previous work, but we'll definitely get into there's more gunplay coming up, too. I'm not even going to say acting range, because I think he did better acting in Sudden Death, also. I agree with that. I'm just going to say, I think this was... No, I can't bring up his best use of the splits, either, because Frank's a tyrant. (laughs) (laughs) It did have some of his best fight scenes, though, hand-to-hand-wise. Like, we talked about the guy coming out of the dark, and that was cool. The Xenia on the top. The proto Xenia. <laughs> I thought she worked really well. When Bolo Young is picking up those big drums and throwing them at Van Damme, did anybody get a Donkey Kong video game vibe from that boss battle? A little bit. You know what I got out of that, going back and thinking about it? I got a huge double dragon hit off this movie. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Twin Brothers, which are in Double Dragon, Twin Brother, martial artists. There's a classic enemy in the game called a Bobo, and he throws drums at you, and they blow up. So that's what I got out of the drums that Bolo Young was throwing. Between this, Street Fighter. Exactly, yeah. Bloodsport being an inspiration for Mortal Kombat. Van Damme is part of gaming history. Johnny Cage, man. He's supposed to be, right? Supposed to be Johnny Cage? Split Nut Punch. Yeah, with Nut Punch. I liked in that Bolo Young fight how it was mostly to showcase proper powerlifting form. Did you notice the way <laughs> like he'd get down and he'd make sure he wasn't lifting with his back, get it up over his head? It wasn't the fastest fight sequence. But it was impressive. What else makes this different from Van Damme's other stuff? Even though this was released in 91, you could say this is like the button on 80s Van Damme. It's got the martial arts, Hong Kong, Bolo Young. The only way you know it's not the 80s is its sore lack of montages. Right. Sad. Just sad. Which I think it needed a few montages. That's what went wrong with this movie. What was the best overall action moment for you? The brothers just waking up, coming together at the very end. They're in that dilapidated, like, 
house or apartment complex and just like a shootout is happening. There's a lot of martial arts action happening at that point and then they get captured and then they have to go and get Chad's uncle back and all that. The best action moment for me was the end sequence. I think this movie utilizes Hong Kong as a setting possibly better than Bloodsport. I would agree with that. Bloodsport, it was all about the super secret tournament that everybody knew about. And so ultimately you're just in a basement for half that movie. <laughs> Whereas this, actually you're going around. Deliver this to the docks. Go here and blow up that. Let's go to this secret underground bar. Pat. What is your biggest criticism for this flick? Take a big breath. I know. There's a lot, but uh, there's so much that I didn't like about this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Should we allocate our time for you, sir, so you have the full floor? No, that's okay. But I would say, like, um, some of the unrealistic parts for me were, like, when we got close to the end there. Like, he throws the guy's hand in a thrasher, and then he throws him off of the 60-foot barge or whatever. Dude's already, like, defeated. He doesn't need to straight-up murder the dude. Him and his twin self are just kind of okay with everything. Like, after you just had, like, a bloodbath, they're, like, super cool. That was some really heavy stuff. You know what I mean? It was just like, all right. And they're, like, high-fiving each other, and that's the end of the movie. What do you have to add to that, Rob? I just think the overall flow of the film... There's a part in the movie where Yang picks up Chad thinking he's Alex and he's wanting something from him. And then, you know, Chad like beats like two or three guys up and almost kills a guy. And then they just kind of like swarm in. And, you know, you basically had what you wanted from Chad at that point and he could have just killed him. But he just like, well, I'm going to stuff you in this container and dump you on the streets of Hong Kong. And are we supposed to believe, based on a subsequent scene, that they let Chad live because they wanted his booze? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So uh, it just didn't make sense. And Rob, what do you think of the pacing of it? It sounds like maybe you think it moved too fast? I think so. Hey, there's this brother you didn't know existed, and obviously he's a twin, and people killed your parents, and... Let's enact this gigantic revenge plan and carry it out in very few scenes. To me, the pacing that seemed like it was pretty quick. Most of Van Damme's movies barely hit the 100-minute mark. He's got a lot of short movies. Hour 25, hour 30. It's kind of it. That's how long he can do a split for. (laughs) So long. John, is there any scene that you can recall where... The two brothers, having been separated practically at birth, where they talk at all about that fact and have a real brotherly moment? No. (laughs) No, they never have that. They were just so happy. But Alex was an orphan. Like, I'm so happy with this. And Chad was just raised by rich Uncle Frank. So he didn't have a problem with it. Is there a Bechdel test for twins talking about being separated at birth? (laughs) All that being said, John, do you think this movie belongs in the upper, middle, or lower third of Van Damme's oeuvre? I would say maybe the bottom of the upper third, or top of the middle, just because of some of the crap he's put out. (laughs) (laughs) It's standing on a mountain of shit, 
but he's still at the top of the mountain, right? <laughs> Pat, you said you had a lot of problems with this movie, but at the end of the day, did you have fun with it? It was enjoyable. There were some fun fighting scenes. You gotta love watching Van Damme fight. I enjoyed it, even though it was kind of a dumb movie. Doesn't that sum up Van Damme's career and what the audience expects from him? Yeah, probably. Do you agree with our picks? Have a suggestion or scathing critique? Email the show via the screen companion at gmail.com. Tell us if we gave you a good recommendation and let us know who your favorite guests are. Like us and subscribe on YouTube, Podbean, Amazon Music, Spotify, and more. Thank you around the world for listening. Let's move on to Hard Target. John, could you give us a summary of it? Hard Target is a woman hires a drifter, played by Jean-Claude Van Damme, guide her through New Orleans while she searches for her missing father, and then they find a most dangerous game situation. This is John Woo's first American film. Pat, do you feel JCVD was the right casting for this picture? It's so ridiculous in its premise that it doesn't need a serious action star. So <laughs> I think absolutely <laughs> JCVD was the right casting for this movie. John Woo's first thoughts about casting this movie included Kurt Russell as the star. I don't see that working at all. <laughs> So I think you're right. I think you need somebody with the cheese level, the Belgian cheese level of JCVD to take this movie home. (laughs) This being John Woo's first American movie, does it feel like watered down Woo or was he elevated by the Hollywood rulebook? I feel like he was watered down in the editing for sure. I don't think the editor understood the importance of doves or the slow-mo aspect (laughs) because some of the stuff, I don't understand the importance of doves. (laughs) (laughs) Some of the slow motion scenes were just like, why was that slow motion? Him walking out of a diner and it's all of a sudden slow-mo for no reason. (laughs) Definitely was a lot of slow-mo scenes. Like, initially, he doesn't want to be your guide, and then she's driving the car down to the dock, and the platform opens up, and it kind of shows them, and it just like, there's a lot of slow-mo scenes. Even non-action scenes in the movie where it just slows down. It's like, what was the point of that? It reminded me of a movie that came out within a couple years of Hard Target, which is The Quick and the Dead. Oh, yeah. Directed by Sam Raimi, and he was a producer on this movie. Yeah, Ted Raimi had a cameo. Pretty much they go hand in hand. If Ted Raimi's in the movie, it was probably either directed or produced by his brother. (laughs) (laughs) Correct. (laughs) I know John Woo really had westerns on the mind. I saw so many similarities between the style of the movie and Raimi that I thought I was watching a Raimi film, and then I found out that he was brought on because the studio wasn't very sure about John Woo, it being his first American movie. Raimi actually took an opposite tack and said, no, no, this is his thing. Let's let him do it. They went to lunch a few times during the making of the movie. If maybe that rubbed off on Wu and maybe he felt he needed to watch Army of Darkness and Darkman. I read that the first scene of the homeless guy at the beginning getting chased, that was directed by Raimi. And if so, I totally believe it because that shot where it's following the arrow whizzing through the air, 
Uh, yeah. That felt total Raimi to me. And it's like, no, I don't want Raimi in this. I want Woo. Where's the Woo? <laughs> woo! <laughs> Thank you, John. You're welcome. You're welcome. You're the wrong John, though. <laughs> uh, <laughs> John gave a Woo, but it's America John doing a flare Woo. I don't know if that works out. You see, Miss Bender, you I can understand. As a matter of family, you had nothing in common with those people. What made you want to complicate my life like this? Poor people get bored too. Hunting season is over. So I'm going to get the ball rolling on this next bit and say the worst Van Damme moment is when he's holding that goddamn snake and he literally punches it unconscious. <laughs> yes. Yes. It had me laughing at the movie, not with it. Can anyone top that for worst moment? He bites the rattle off the snake. Somehow rigs it as a trap. He rigs a now bleeding to death snake as a trap. The rattle comes from hardening of the skin at the bottom, so he basically bit its butthole off. <laughs> <laughs> well, as we've covered, Van Damme can have the best ass. Nobody else can have a better ass, not even a snake. <laughs> This is a jealousy murder. <laughs> and what's the character's background? Did they establish he was a merchant marine or something? He had no military training, right? Uh, no, he was a marine, wasn't he? I thought he was a merchant marine. I thought he was like a recon marine. He was an ex-marine who was working as a merchant marine. Oh. Uh, was there a Jean-Claude moment for you that proved his action star rep? Well, there's this one scene where he punched a snake. <laughs> <laughs> When he was kicking ass with the shotgun, I don't know why I thought that was cool. At the same time, it's like, it's Jean-Claude Van Damme. I want to see him kick people. He was still pretty cool with the shotgun. That was a very woo moment that I think worked for him. And Pat, what do you think was the best overall action moment? I gotta go with the motorcycle. (laughs) 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 Him balancing on a motorcycle as it races towards a speeding truck. Somehow jumping over the truck, literally being totally fine. He almost landed on his feet. The fact that he can do all that, how is it he's not at least working for a circus? How is he homeless? (laughs) I've walked through some of the grimy city streets of San Francisco. John, you know it very well. Mm -hmm. He didn't look very homeless. No, not at all. I don't know. Do you think it would have made it better if he did come off as more of a bum? I think they could have got away with the way he was dressed if they gave him some weird tick where he just would randomly yell at a corner. <laughs> well, Rob, what's the biggest criticism you have for this? With him playing the main character, it just didn't fit the overall film. It's like there was a lot going on, how he was interacting with whatever the hunt was for the homeless and they were shooting them up for sport. The intersect between him getting into that whole arena or scheme, it didn't fit correctly with me during the film. It was like they were just trying to put another type of play into the movie and then him being an action star within it to disrupt that. And then adding the Creole Bobby Boucher uncle guy to come in and (laughs) Wilford Brimley, show the respect. (laughs) Wilford Brimley, yes, I will say. Crazy conspiracy uncle with the showdown in the, you know, New Orleans bayou. It just didn't make much sense. 
So I think that's the biggest criticism of the overall film for me. And it happens in a lot of these movies, this trope where action guy shows up, he knows this dude, in this case, Wilford Brimley. Brimley's just so happy to blow up his house (laughs) without even batting an eyelash going, wow, I just lost everything. Thanks for showing up, Van Damme. (laughs) It was too dirty. I need to burn it down. (laughs) Once they arrive at the Brimley ranch, did it give off Skyfall vibes? Um, yes and no, because I'm going to say Skyfall gave off Home Alone vibes. <laughs> <laughs> but this thing where they just suddenly meet up with a mentor character, and then they come up with little traps. I'm going to say it. Skyfall ripped this movie off. <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely correct. Skyfall gave off hard target vibes, not the other <laughs> way around. <laughs> to Rob's point about how it felt awkward how Van Damme was brought into this manhunt. This was my first time watching this movie, and at first I thought Van Damme was going to be a willing participant, kind of like Ice-T in surviving the game. And then when he comes on as a consultant, okay, so I guess he's not going to be part of the manhunt, because how would you do that in a way that didn't come off as stupid? But how do they end the movie? Oh, now we're going to be hunting him. They said to themselves, well, Lance Hendrickson, he's got a manhunt. Of course, Van Damme has to be the guy they're hunting, right? It can't go any other way. Arna Vazel said a million times, we could be in Mexico in five hours. Like, why are we doing this? (laughs) Lance Hendrickson, for no reason, went crazy as a character. (laughs) That was Vazlu asking a PA, but the camera was on. (laughs) (laughs) hey we could be in mexico five hours man let's go my biggest criticism for this i thought the movie was such an american stereotype that bringing woo in was pointless unless a foreign director comes in with a fresh take and is allowed to do everything he wants to do it comes off as bad parody and i don't know if woo just wasn't imaginative enough because he was seduced by Hollywood glam that he forgot what his frickin' role was as the director. I point to the mullet, all the obvious Bayou music for the New Orleans setting. There's a scene where Van Damme kicks ass and returns a stolen purse. Then the scene dissolves to the next scene with the American flag front and center. I don't see the originality the same way I do in Paul Verhoeven doing Robocop. Now, I understand that's a huge expectation, but it illustrates the kind of freshness hiring international talent should bring to an otherwise paint-by-number genre picture, which Hard Target definitely feels like. Yeah, I'm going to agree with the John Woo got lost in the glitz and glamour of Hollywood, because there's just something weird about all his American movies. Face Off, Mission Impossible 2. I saw an interview with him once talking to Karwan Kai. And he talked about how much he loved the art of those movies, and he wished he was that filmmaker. And the second he gets to Hollywood, he's just like, how much can we blow up of New Orleans? Before this, he had directed multiple movies in Hong Kong. So he should have been a seasoned veteran, and it doesn't come off that way when you watch this movie. I think you're right. It feels like a paint-by-numbers madness fest. One of you two guys said that it had to be Jean-Claude Van Damme in this movie. And while I agree that it shouldn't have been Kurt Russell, I think Stallone also would have worked just fine. I think you could have put Jean-Claude's stunt double, Scott Atkins, 
he could have worked just fine. Yes, I think of him as the modern Van Damme. Yeah, he's in the sequel. There's, I think they made a sequel. They did. He's in it, yeah. Yes! Oh, yes. <laughs> See? History supports my argument that it could have been someone else. Fun fact about the film was that uh, John Woo did have a little bit more control in the film than I think we all gave him credit for. It was so violent that it was rated NC-17, and they had to edit it and resubmit it seven times before it got an R rating. <laughs> Rob, do you think this belongs in the top, middle, or bottom part of VD's filmography? This is more well-known than some of his even worse stuff. So I'm going to say it's at the bottom middle of all of his uh, movies. So you're coming from a place of general awareness, but is that the same once you think about the quality? Uh, no, I guess that's true. It's not. Thinking about that in that aspect, I'd probably put it at the close to the bottom of his top tier stuff then. As far as how we're rating Van Damme and his career, let's say maybe the farthest out we get with it is Legionnaire, maybe the late 90s, because he's made so many direct-to-video movies, you know, I don't even want to think about him. (laughs) You don't want to talk about Expendables (laughs) 2? There is only one Universal Soldier, let me just say that. (laughs) (laughs) A side note before we move on. John, you mentioned Arnold Vosloo, the main henchman. So he claimed in an interview just last year that he didn't get to meet Van Damme ahead of shooting with him. And when they finally did a scene together, the star told Vosloo he should go back to South Africa because he'd never make it as an actor. He cited Van Damme as his least favorite person he ever worked with. And by the way, Van Damme, Vosloo has many acting credits, including two Mummy movies with Brendan Fraser playing Darkman twice, and a season of the show 24. Take that, Van Damme. (laughs) The Mummy movies definitely made more money than Van Damme ever did. (laughs) Moving on to our final movie of the night. Pat, give us a quick rundown of Sudden Death. Sudden Death is a movie about Jean-Claude Van Damme as a firefighter. Disillusion as a firefighter after a young boy he's trying to save dies in a fire becomes a fire inspector for the Pittsburgh Penguins. It is game seven of the Stanley Cup finals. And for some reason, he brings his kids to the game, even though he has to work. So he lets the kids sit in the game by themselves. And then terrorists come to the game and they take the vice president hostage, who's also at the game. But nobody in the entire world seems to notice that there's a hostage situation going on in the arena. So the game plays out as normal, while Jean-Claude Van Damme tries to retake control of the stadium and kill the bad guys. I want to highlight for a second Van Damme playing a divorced father with two kids. In a previous episode, Max and I talked about how we thought Robin Williams was a terrible father and Mrs. Doubtfire. I think the award should now go to Van Damme's character in this, leaving two kids in a stadium by themselves. (laughs) I would never let him take those kids ever again. Especially in Pittsburgh. I don't know if you've been to Pittsburgh. It's not the place you want to leave a kid anywhere, no matter how safe you think it is. Arguably, this movie is the closest side-by-side comparison for Van Damme and action flicks starring maybe Arnold or Bruce Willis. Are there aspects of sudden death, Rob, that you think Van Damme brought something more 
than if it was another Die Hard movie. Actually, not really. All the sequences of him going to find all the bombs. I could have put Bruce Willis in the same movie. I don't think um, there was really any differentiation between those 90s action stars. Anything that Jean-Claude Van Damme brought to this that was special. I would argue that Bruce Willis being cast in this, never mind that it really does feel like a diehard sequel, but if you cast Bruce Willis, inevitably they would have toned down some of the action scenes which I think would have been good for the tone of the movie, because, John, did you feel like for an ex-firefighter, he knew way too many martial arts moves? I think this is a valid complaint for every action movie ever. Going all the way back to Double Impact, where Chad was just some martial arts yoga teacher, and when it came time for murder, he's just, like, <laughs> so good at it. Like, he was raised by a Vietnam veteran. Yeah, well... <laughs> You know, they didn't have enough time in their 90-minute movie to tell you that. <laughs> yeah, what kind of PTSD was Frank dealing with? He taught Chad how to murder. I guess if he was a Marine in Hard Target, it makes sense he's good at murder. It's, he's a firefighter. He's really good at murder. And he doesn't think about it either. And so many people die collaterally through this, too. It's insane. They make it a point to talk about how he's a failure because he got sad a kid died. <laughs> what? <laughs> and then all of a sudden he's like letting all these other people die he's killing people he ran a penguin through a dishwasher I'm pretty sure in that opening scene I saw that kid's eyes move <laughs> I think Van Damme got it wrong that kid was just suffering from smoke inhalation <laughs> he's dead he looks alive he's dead as a firefighter are we to believe that's like the first time he's ever dealt with death like that he must have had a really good career up to that point. He's a damn good firefighter. <laughs> In a lot of these action movies, they usually advise the lone wolf not to try to do it themselves. Let the professionals do it. John McClane dealing with all the terrorists. I really feel like Van Damme, his Darren McCord character, is an especially egregious loose cannon Pat, did it ever strike you as him not having enough of a plan, considering he's by himself and they've got it rigged to blow, the stadium? I would agree with that 100%. You obviously, you don't know who's a good guy, who's a bad guy. He's bumbling into bad guys who you know, are working kind of covertly in the stadium. So yeah, it's amazing that he doesn't get himself killed, that he's able to figure that out. And then it's also really great like how um, you talked about Bruce Willis and uh, Schwarzenegger in that vein. But I would actually throw another name out there. I'd throw out Richard Dean Anderson because in this movie, Van Damme definitely MacGyvers <laughs> so many things. Let's do a round robin. Okay, everybody, I want you to just come up with one thing in the movie that he does that he shouldn't be able to do. The lighter fluid in the pistol, in the water gun. <laughs> Uh, just his ability to defuse bombs. <laughs> just like, yeah, oh, I can just take this apart and defuse it, no problem. I just got to find the next one. Like, he had a little map of all the bombs he needed to defuse. He's got a Spider-Man gun. He's got a wrist cannon <laughs> Spider-Man gun. <laughs> Kills a guy with. And then he's fine with killing. <laughs> yeah, he's in great shape, but... He does so many superhuman things that his physical prowess, I wouldn't even believe Schwarzenegger being able to do some of the swinging he does off of cords in this movie. The whole third act is him just like 
Circus Dolay just going around <laughs> the ceiling. So Sudden Death, it did not do well at the box office. Big shock there. Its opening weekend, it came in eighth behind other new releases, including Waiting to Exhale and Grumpier Old Men. Ah, uh, um, oh, that was my fault. <laughs> <laughs> John, what do you think was the biggest thing working against this movie? The hockey, Van Damme, or being too similar to better action movies? Uh, I'm going to blame Grumpier Old Men. I definitely went and saw that <laughs> instead. I thought this was a direct-to-video movie that a buddy of mine showed me later. I was like, this movie's great, because I really did like it. I know the pitch meeting was Die Hard in a Hockey Arena. I guarantee it. (laughs) Well, Pat, I'm going to hazard a guess and say that you probably know some of the background of this film, how it got started. (laughs) I didn't do my research on this one, surprisingly. Oh my god, it's got the sports. You like the sports. <laughs> the, the sports. <laughs> I will say that they definitely reference Jeremy Yager, who's a, an NHL Hall of Famer, and he played for the Pittsburgh Penguins at the time, so they definitely call his name out on the loudspeaker throughout the movie, but uh, I didn't read up on the trivia on this movie, which I usually do. It says it was shot during the NHL lockout, so that was what they were able to film, because there's no hockey actually being played. Were you watching hockey back then? Not in 94, 95, no. But in general, would you say you're a hockey fan? <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm a, I'm a fan of all sports. Absolutely. And hockey, in my opinion, is the best sport to watch live. And in your opinion, the troubles they had that season, do you think it was worth it for Sudden Death to be able to shoot more? <laughs> oh, absolutely. It's a great movie. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the owners of the Penguins at the time was a producer on this movie. And his wife came up with the story for this. Seriously? So I'm sure they were in primo box seats, and she's sitting there with him, and she nudges him and goes, Honey, you know what would be really cool is if terrorists tried to take over this arena. Man, she hates her husband, huh? This is, <laughs> this is boring. I wish terrorists were here. <laughs> Pat, what do you think is the worst JCVD moment? I think the beginning of the movie, when he's trying to save the kid in the fire, and he's just like, <laughs> it's like so overly dramatic and just ridiculous. You can't carry the kid out of there, and then like all of a sudden the roof collapses, and the kid's dead. It's like, no, it's like the Darth Vader moment, the, the infamous Darth Vader moment. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's just terrible. The filmmaking worked against them in that moment, because it's like he's supposed to be trapped with a kid under rubble, and yet they need enough of the rubble aside so that we can get a clear shot of him under it. So yeah, it does look like he could probably get his way out of there. (laughs) One of the bad moments in this movie, uh, when he's fighting the giant penguin, and there's kicking and punching, and the red pepper flakes in the eyes, and there's like uh, chef's instruments and stuff like that. When people see that, it's like, okay, oh yeah, Jean-Claude Van Damme's actually in this movie now. I'd notice it and see it. And so that, to me, really was just an odd fight scene in the kitchen. It happens relatively early in the movie, in the sequence of events. They gotta ramp up the action, so you can't start with the big set pieces right off the bat. You gotta start small, work your way up. What's better than a mascot fight? She just had a good moment earlier. She had like a feminist moment earlier because the guy's like Mr. Penguin and she's like, it's Mrs. Penguin and shoots him in the head. 
And it's almost like, why correct him? You're going to kill him anyway. <laughs> that was like his crystallizing moment, and he was going to be a better dude and stop acting so misogynistically. And she <laughs> ruined it. <laughs> I should really apologize to my wife forever. Bam. <laughs> John, what to you is the most Jean-Claude moment in this movie? Every time he yelled uh, angry demands at bad guys. <laughs> Give me back my daughter. I did that in an Arnie accent because I can't do an angry Frenchman, which is weird because that's all they are. Um, every time he yells at a bad guy, a demand, it's so Jean-Claude Van Damme. You see it in the other two movies we talked about. How The best example is Street Fighter, when he's talking about how he's going to go kick Bison's ass because he's American Colonel Guile. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm going to kick Bison's ass. And again, I think I did an Arnie accent. But like, you know what I mean. Uh, it's just every time he demands something from a bad guy. And strangely, Guile is such a quintessential American character but I don't think they ever justify his accent in that, do they? No. <laughs> <laughs> this one, I had to laugh a little bit when they mentioned he was French-Canadian. <laughs> I like that, just because it, it gave sense to the scene where, I'm going to call it the Forrest Gump scene, where he was a good goalie for about a minute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to disagree with Rob and say that, for me, my favorite action scene was that mascot fight because the henchwoman she's sufficiently menacing gives the hero a surprising amount of challenge given that she's dressed as a giant penguin which actually makes van damme look like a bitch in that moment it's like you got full range of motion she's in a giant penguin costume but she's still giving you a good fight protection she's protected John, what do you think about the lack of one-liners from Van Damme? I never really considered how little he has in that regard. I think he had the best hand-to-hand -hand fight choreography. I think everyone had their thing. One-liners was Arnie's thing. Gunman was Stallone's thing. And I think good fight choreography was Jean-Claude's thing. I think I heard once that he tried to beat up Steven Seagal at a party and Steven Seagal ran away. <laughs> You gotta stick to what you know, and Jean-Claude is a good hand-to-hand -hand guy. Even though this movie, no splits, I think one kick, and he was wearing skates during it. It could have done with a couple more one-liners. Maybe uh, you're all washed up <laughs> after he <laughs> defeated the Penguin Girl. He could have made some ice puns like Schwarzenegger and Batman and Robin. Oh, man. <laughs> it's time to put you on ice. He could have done it a few years earlier. <laughs> <laughs> John, what's your harshest criticism for this movie? It's not Van Damme enough. It's good a movie. It's, it's my favorite of the three. It might be my favorite of all his, as good as Bloodsport is. It's not Van Damme enough. Like, he's, he's just in it. I think it goes to your criticism about it would have made more sense if it was Bruce Willis, if he wasn't as physically imposing. Um, he plays too regular a man who's willing to kill. <laughs> 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 Pat, what's your biggest gripe? I've got two. <laughs> One of them is the children actors, the two kids that play his children. They're both completely awful, specifically with, uh, with the son when he tells the son, don't move from this seat, even if the walls are falling down. And then the kid's like sitting in his seat and he's like, I'm not going to move, I'm not going to move. And like the arena's literally exploding around him and everybody's evacuating from the building and he's proud of himself for not moving when his dad comes back later. <laughs> 
my second criticism, which I could count as a criticism for all three movies, is the the ending. All three of the movies, and uh, this one specifically, they just end. The action's over, and then there's no post, like, what happened to everybody, or how did it work out, or, like, we're happily ever after. He's going into the ambulance to go to the hospital, and then the movie ends. Because kids are just there, right? Like, yeah. no one's there to get them. I don't think they're allowed to ride with them to the hospital. And Rob, do you remember what the final lines of the movie are to end the spectacular film? I actually don't. Um... Good, it's a waste of brain cells. <laughs> John, do you remember? <laughs> um, no. If it's not sudden death, I don't want it. The sun says, that's my dad, he's a firefighter, or something like that. <laughs> are you serious? <laughs> it's something along those lines. Yeah, it's like, just for that reason alone, I wish they didn't have the kids there at the very end. (laughs) (laughs) On the one hand, I have to applaud this movie, the screenwriters, for setting things up, doing some foreshadowing. But when Van Damme tells this kid, don't leave this seat, I'm sure there are a lot of people in the audience going to this movie knowing what it's about. They're like, oh my god, of course he said that. But little do we know that in some scenes they cut out where they're eating at the dinner table, Van Damme's character says that all the time. You know, somebody throws a plate in the kitchen. Hey, you sit there. I don't care if the roof on this house caves in. You stay in that seat. (laughs) Wow, that makes him sound like an abusive dad. (laughs) How quickly he went into beating people's asses. It's not his first rodeo, John. (laughs) Maybe. He had a lot of practice on those kids. That's why that one boy, he's wearing long sleeve clothes. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Turtlenecks. (laughs) That's a good point, though, Frank. The entirety of the first half of the movie was a Chekhov's gun, and then everything else came up later. As for this being a Van Damme flick, John alluded to it being pretty darn good, considering his other stuff. And yeah, I think it belongs in the upper ranks based on two things that the other movies tonight didn't have. A well-laid-out script, where the hero, bad guys, and stakes are all perfectly set up in the first act, and the strength of Powers Booth's performance as the main villain. Yep. Chef's kiss. Sorely lacking in the other two movies, especially uh, Double Impact. There was just really nothing there, except for Bolo Young. Generic British guy and generic... Uh, Hong Kong guy, yeah. But then Bolo Young, who, he should have been in charge. Every scene with Powers Booth, it's so enjoyable. He's got some great line readings, like when they've got the hostages in the booth, the first period has ended and the feds haven't transferred the money yet. His tech goon, which all these movies need that tech goon, I thought about that black dude in Die Hard. That's exactly what I thought (laughs) about. That's the exact guy. (laughs) So the tech goon says, Damn, I moved to die. I don't think they believe you. They're going to sacrifice a life to test my will. I'm truly disappointed. Nobody does anything these days because it's right. They only do it if you make them. Would you like to vote on who gets the distinction of demonstrating my resolve? You're not giving them enough time. I told you it couldn't be done that quickly. Oh, you watch how much they accomplished during the next period. Now, would you all agree that the mayor's wife's been most annoying? Pat, do you think Powers Booth, do you feel like he brought his acting game, or do you feel like he went too cheese with it? I think he brought his acting game. I thought he was good in the movie. I didn't think they did necessarily a good enough job of explaining, like, why he went rogue. 
more or less just financial, obviously. But uh, besides that, I thought he did a good job. Rob, do you remember them ever saying the villain's name? No. Actually, I don't. That seems like a weird thing to leave out. They never really say his name? I don't think so. John, Pat, do you guys remember his name? No, I don't remember his name. I don't either. John, what seems clearer to you about Van Damme after watching these flicks? I think he got more about the money and less about the vanity as they went on. Double Impact, there was a very specific scene that showed him flexing when he shot a gun. By sudden impact, he's never shirtless at any point. That's right, maybe that's what was holding it back. You think so? Because the same thing happened to Stallone. I got my mom to take me to see uh, Daylight, and her only critique of the movie was like, I think this is the first Stallone movie I've ever seen where he didn't take his shirt off. I'm thinking about all the movie posters where he's front and center with his bulging muscles. If you guys have seen the poster for Sudden Death, it's a really generic poster. Yeah. Uh, Just put his face over the arena. (laughs) I would argue further, the movie seems more about Powers Booth than it is Van Damme. Well, definitely it's more electrifying when Booth is there. And it highlights how little acting Van Damme seems to do in his movies. And yet, it's still his best acting. Besides his later stuff, when he decided to JCVD. He had that Jean-Claude Van Johnson show on Amazon, which is fun. But as far as movies and theaters, that it's his vehicle, no, I don't know. Rob, what do you think held him back from bigger success? Do you think it was the acting, his choice of roles, or maybe his ego? The lack of acting. He was just really set to do one type of role. And getting him outside of that, like um, Jonathan mentioned Daylight for Sylvester Stallone, which was an action film, but it wasn't anything that Stallone wasn't like beating people up. He wasn't shooting anything. Van Damme just is tied to the martial arts, just action films. And to see him in anything else, to give him more depth, he doesn't have it really to show throughout this time frame in his career, which is why he wasn't utilized more in other films. I don't want to sound xenophobic. I love foreign films. I've watched over a hundred of them. It annoyed me watching interviews with him and seeing these movies, everything to prep for this episode. It's like, really? You never got better at speaking English? Yeah. That had to have limit his potential, right? I think it depends on who he learned English from. I had an Indian roommate in college. They, as a country, learned English from English people. Even though it was the same language, all the dialect was different. I'll take a British fan, damn. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get into some facts and trivia about the great Jean-Claude Van Damme. Let me throw some at you guys, and then please, if you have any you want to share. So, after Time Cop grossed $100 million in 95, Universal wanted him for a three-picture deal. He felt he was worth as much as Jim Carrey. Now, The Mask grossed $350 million in 1994, and he wanted $60 million instead of the 36 that was offered. Universal didn't go for it. They did distribute The Quest, directed by Van Damme himself in 1996. The final gross of that film, just over $57 million. 
A third of the movies Van Damme starred in from 1988 to 1996 involved fighting tournaments. Strangely, Street Fighter, based on the fighting series of games from Capcom, was not about a martial arts competition. (laughs) (laughs) I have never thought about that. (laughs) Wow. That's, oh, man. I want to know his other fighting tournament movies. The Quest. What, is it, yeah, it would have been what? The Quest, Bloodsport, Kickboxer. I didn't write them all down, but there was an alarming number of them. I don't know if I want to know them now. Lionheart, right? Yeah. 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 Yep. <laughs> and it might sound like I got all these from IMDB or somewhere, and not to say that It's not written elsewhere, but I did research, folks. That's how much I love the audience. So he's played dual roles, including Twins and Clones, in four movies from 1991 to 2001. So one of them, he played twins, right? But the twin, one of them died in the prologue. The super spy died in the prologue. And the other one had to take over? Yeah, that was like maximum risk, I think. So he got paid... A mere 25000 for Bloodsport, his first starring role. In his early 60s now, he says he's working on his final action film titled What's My Name? Because he doesn't feel he can believably portray an action hero anymore. Only time will tell if he means it or if it's for publicity. There's a joke in there of could he ever? But he could. He could. I'm, <laughs> I'm on his side. Again, if not these movies, Time Cop, Universal Soldier, Bloodsport, he had the goods for a very small window of time. We touched on earlier how um, Johnny Cage is based on him, and uh, I think they wanted him for the Mortal Kombat movie to play Johnny Cage. When you talked about him wanting $60 million for the three Universal deal, I found this interview of him talking about it after... And he said that he was doing a lot of drugs at the time. They f***ed him up mentally. As he came down, he was like, oh, no, I shouldn't have done any of that. Why did I do that? I think he had, like, bipolar disorder or something, and he had to properly get diagnosed for it before he could figure any of that out. Because he was just basically self-treating with cocaine. (laughs) (laughs) To his own admission, has said that that was a very bad idea, and it kind of ruined his career. The final segment, TLDL, too long, didn't listen. I'm going to ask you guys some rapid-fire questions. Please try to give me some succinct answers. Pat, let's start with you. Which of these movies is best seen with a group of friends? Hard target. Rob, which movie had the best fight choreography? Double impact. John, what's a sillier visual? Van Damme with a mullet, in a poor composite shot with himself, or being a goalie for the Penguins? (laughs) That's the mullet. (laughs) By a lot. I really like the mullet, and whoever does Van Damme's IMDb page does as well, because that's his main image. Yes, yes, I saw that looking it up. My only problem with the mullet was every time they cut to the stuntman, the guy who could drive a motorcycle, it was clearly a fake mullet. Because the real mullet was hair that dissipated at the bottom, and the fake mullet kind of ended in a weird bun. (laughs) Man, you're telling me a detail like that they would get wrong on a masterpiece known as Hard Target? (laughs) Rob, which flick had the worst plot? 
Hard target. John, which movie was the least boring? Kind of want to say hard target out of spite. <laughs> Pat, what felt more out of place? The daughter being there for the final showdown and sudden death? The Mardi Gras warehouse at the end of Hard Target, or the French orphanage at the beginning of Double Impact. I'm going to go with uh, French orphanage. (laughs) (laughs) Not that you can't have a French orphanage in Hong Kong, because there were a lot of foreigners there at the time, but there's something about it that makes me believe it was just because Van Damme was in the movie. Rob, What was more unbelievable? A fire marshal that knows how to disarm bombs. It's like I wrote this knowing what you were going to say. The fact that the bad guy in Hard Target could get all those hunters there for the final hunt on such short notice, like they're just lounging around New Orleans. New Orleans has a lot of rich people that want to kill dudes. Or Chad, the trainer, taking to killing as well as his twin brother, the gangster. The gathering of hunters for the ending scene of Hard Target. (laughs) They just show up out of nowhere. (laughs) Along with Lance Henrinson's Joker one-shot pistol that destroys everything it touches. And he charged them all for it. Like, they paid to show up last minute. Like, I need you to save my career. It's going to cost you three quarters of a billion dollars. One of those rich dudes should have been like, yeah, I'm helping you out. Why are you charging me? That's another 20 minutes of dialogue. And finally, John, what was sillier? The bad guys fake killing Uncle Frankie, Wilford Brimley getting shot in the flask, or Van Damme posing as a goalie for the Penguins? (laughs) This is the single hardest question you've ever asked me. (laughs) 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 Ah. Were they in the script and then Van Damme got added, or does bad screenwriting follow Van Damme? (laughs) It probably follows him. The only one I got upset about was the fake killing of Frank, because it felt like such an 80s, like, everyone's gotta live. Thumbs up, sparkle on the smile type of thing. But, like, he went into a professional hockey game and blocked a shot. (laughs) It's bad enough that he was goaltending. And then the fact that they had to let him get the win and block the shot like that. Ugh. And then the, immediately after, he just clocks the guy out. Hockey doesn't stop like that long enough for you to casually punch someone out. Uh. Whoa, 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 you're forgetting something that makes it even worse. Is after he blocks the shot and he's about to leave the ice, Pat, what does he do? Takes off his gloves, and he signals to his son that he loves him. (laughs) Oh, in some ways, there's like some 90s kids movie aspect to this film. Oh, you're going to show this to kids. Also, it's rated R. Don't show it to your kids. (laughs) (laughs) I I just looked it up. Wayne Gretzky retired in 1999, which means he could have been involved in that movie somehow. Even if Gretzky was in the movie, they probably still would have had Van Damme saving the shot. And no, no. (laughs) Not with the great one. No. (laughs) The original movie was supposed to be Pittsburgh versus the Los Angeles Kings. (laughs) I have no background in hockey. Is that significant? Gretzky played for the Kings. Well, any final thoughts as we wrap this up? Rob, you got any? 
I do think between the three films, Sudden Death was the best of the three. Huzzah. Agreed. Sudden Death was the best of the three for sure. Uh, but my biggest gripe with all three movies was the endings. 